Good morning. All right. Welcome to uh, Ridgeview Church. My name is Alex Baird. I'm the, the lead pastor here, and we are so glad you've decided uh, to join us. We are launching a brand new series called The Edge, and we're going to be spending the next few weeks looking at uh, wisdom and how wisdom is available to us from God and how wisdom actually makes an impact as we do uh, what God says. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about uh, what wisdom is, and then we're going to also spend some time talking about how do you actually get it uh, into your life. And that's actually part of wisdom, is knowing uh, what something is, but then also learning uh, how do you actually implement that. And that's actually God's intent. Uh, He wants to lead us in a real way uh, through everyday life, and He wants to use us uh, in real ways. And that's why things like the Christmas offering are, are things that are more than ideas. We invited Rebirth Homes to show you these are people on the front lines that are helping uh, people in, in crisis. And um, today we are going to be giving them a check for $1,000 uh, as a portion of the Christmas offering. And so I wanted to let you guys know that. And that is, uh, that is available because real money was given from your real account. And that's what life is. It's actually we take real steps that are tangible and we see needs and, and we meet them. But oftentimes we need wisdom in, in order to know how we conduct our life. And so that's what we're going to be uh, talking about. Uh, what I want to do before we dig in specifically uh, to this subject of wisdom is I want to give you a little bit broader perspective of where we're headed this year. And I'm not going to spend a ton of time, but I want to kind of just bring everyone on the same page of our 2022 uh, vision. I'm going to start calling it 22 vision because I don't think you guys think it's like 1922, right? So our 22 uh, vision uh, for Ridgeview, and there's three C's uh, that we're focused on. And I think there's a slide here, and it's confidence, uh, commitment, and uh, being uh, compelled. And uh, the first one there, confidence, uh, as a church, we want to focus on and being committed to a confidence in God alone. That is that we trust him, uh, we trust who he is. And we're going to look at his word to lay the foundation for our life. And we're going to look to his word to guide us as a church with the opportunities before us. And we can move forward and we can make progress because confidence is not in ourselves. Confidence is not in anyone except God alone. And so as a church, we're going to face things which are going to test our confidence this year, I imagine. If that's a goal, what that means is, is there's going to be things we're going to have to choose. Like, I can't place my confidence in my own plans, in my own future, in my own resources. And we're going to have opportunity to really confront that and to deal with that in our own life. But I believe as a church, as we grow in confidence in God alone, we'll grow in a way and mature in a way that we've never experienced before. And so I hope you'll join us with that as we see our confidence grows as God grows just his role and guidance in our life. And the second is being committed Uh, to community. And part of that is even what you choose to do on a Sunday morning like this, where you could have chosen the easier path to stay at home, right? How many of you really contemplated that this morning? Like, you know, staying in your comfy pants has a really high value. Staying in your house where you don't necessarily have to interact with people, that has a really high value. But what we know about life is that there's not a lot of value in just being alone. Uh, We weren't made for that. We were made for community. God established humans for relationships. And in these times, as things are still so unsettled, we have to be committed like never before to community. And most of the time, that commitment comes with the things within ourself, uh, the desires that we have. And so as a church, we're going to continue to lean in that we want to be committed to gathering, want to be committed to doing life together, because that's how life is made. 
according to how God has designed it. So that's the second one. Then third is being compelled uh, to share hope. I don't know about you, but I woke up, there's a lot of things going on uh, with people that I care about. There's a lot of things going on in, in our culture, in our city, in our country that can be discouraging. Could you guys find anything in your life that is discouraging? You don't have to look far. It's all around us. But what happens is when you focus on discouragement, discouragement grows. Whatever you focus on, it magnifies. If you're a Christ follower, you don't ignore discouragement. You don't ignore hard things. But we have a duty as Christians to move forward to the hard things and to move towards people that are facing hard things and bring the hope of Jesus. And so I think this year, like we've never faced before, because so many people are burdened by life and discouragement and the darkness is growing, we have an opportunity like never before where we can be compelled to share the hope that will make a difference in people that you live next to, in your neighborhoods, that you work with, family that you relate to. And as we have confidence in God, as we're committed to community, as we're compelled to share hope, I think God will do a mighty work among us. And so that's our 22 vision. That's what we want to focus on. We want to keep coming back to. But I want to just to share that with all of you so we're kind of all on the same page. We're going to continue uh, to talk about this and to leverage all the ways that this can play out uh, in real life. And so we're so glad you're here. Let's jump in to how we can uh, gain an edge and learn uh, more about uh, wisdom. I want to talk a little bit about life because life uh, is something that is more like a, a, a lab. Life is like a lab, like in science. How many of you, do any of you guys like science? Okay. Um, thing about science, like especially if you get into chemistry, uh, you can actually do some real damage. Like you can blow stuff up, and that kind of feels really cool. Like, wow, you, as long as it's not a big explosion. And life is a lot like that. If you mix the wrong things or you go down the wrong path, stuff blows up as well. And I think all of us have seen that, and we've experienced that, but that's a lot how life is. It's not a formula. And although it's like a lab, there's all sorts of things that can happen and variables that we can't predict. And most of the time in life, we find ourselves going down paths and experiencing things that we never saw coming. And if you've ever had that, that statement of like, I didn't see that coming, or where did that come from, or I was blindsided by that, uh, that's normal. Because we live life with our plans and we move forward, but very rarely do they go according to what we think, right? Can I get an amen, right? Because you wake up and things fall apart. And you go on the freeway here in Southern California, and that's just a perfect example of there are variables beyond your control. You give 10 minutes to get somewhere, and it's going to take you an hour and 10 minutes. You didn't see that coming. And all sorts of things are going on around us. And so what we need, this confidence in God alone, is related to the fact that there's so many things that we can't predict and plan for, and we need his help in the moment. And what you find in Scripture is God's help in the moment, most of the time, is played out in wisdom. That is, there are certain ways that he has designed life to work. He defines reality. He is the creator. He's the almighty one. And because of he's creator and because he's almighty, there's a sense of which life works his ways. But the thing about wisdom is we only know how his ways work if we know him. And so at the root of wisdom is, is getting to know a God. And so that's what we're going to be talking about. How do, how do you get to know God and how does that wisdom begin to grow in, in your life? Um, the way you fail at wisdom is you, you, you fail to acknowledge God exists. That's the key. If you don't want wisdom, then you just live life like God is not a factor. And then he won't be, even though he is. 
But what we see again and again playing out in our culture and in our world is people that's lives are falling apart and it's unraveling because they lack wisdom. But God actually, in the unraveling, wants to help us. But he gives us free will. He gives us freedom. And so it's actually up to us to decide, am I willing to learn from God so I don't have to keep repeating the things that I've kept doing in my life? And so if you've gone to the school of hard knocks, anyone spent time in that school? You can learn a lot. But you don't want to stay, you don't want to be like a forever student in that school. Because hard knocks add up, right? You begin to have lumps. And that pain is no longer your friend. It's actually discouraging. You don't make progress anymore. So there's got to be more than just beyond the school of hard knocks. And that's actually the school of wisdom. And so what I want to do is just kind of give you a little bit big picture of, of what wisdom actually does. And then we'll we'll dig in. And so let's let's dig into the scriptures. I'm going to start with Ecclesiastes, the book of Ecclesiastes. Very helpful book. If any of you are in midlife and you're experiencing the sense of like, why am I here? What's life all about? Ecclesiastes was written for you. It's written by Solomon, midlife crisis, trying to figure out with all of his resources how he can make sense out of life. And I want to share this. It says, Ecclesiastes is chapter 10. It says, he who digs a pit will fall into it, and a serpent will bite him who breaks through a wall. So something about wisdom literature. It's, uh, it's very poetic. And sometimes you're reading it, you're like, wait a second, what we're talking about? Holes digging and pits and serpents. Like, what does that relate to my life? And so if you find that as you read scripture, you're like, this doesn't make sense. Usually that means like, don't bail, don't run, dig in a little further. And oftentimes things become apparent. So he who digs a pit will fall into it and a serpent will bite him who breaks through a wall. He who quarries stones is hurt by them and he who splits logs is endangered by them. If the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength but wisdom helps one to succeed. Remember verse 10, because this series is called what? The edge. It's from that verse. Verse 11 says, if the serpent bites before it is charmed, there is no advantage to the charmer. So beyond anything just that you read in this scripture, I just want to state the obvious. My desire to be around snakes is just lessening the more I read this passage. But it's more than just that. There, There are some things that are going on. And so I want to kind of break down uh, each part of that passage. And this is how wisdom can give you an edge in life. The first is this, randomness happens. Another way of saying randomness is unpredictability happens. Life happens. There's things that you did not see or plan for or could know. And things happen. Let's go back to the beginning. It says, he who digs a pit will fall into it. The person digging a pit Was their plan like, I'm going to dig a pit today and fall into it? Do you think that was their goal of digging the pit? No. But have you ever worked on something and it blew up in your face and you spent way more time because of a problem? Recently, uh, a year ago, that's not recent at all, but it feels like it. Um, A year ago, uh, my son got a huge goal uh, for, he's a soccer player and he got a huge goal for Christmas. And this goal has like a goal and then like the backing net so it doesn't go into the neighbor's yard. And it's awesome and it bounces back when it hits the net. But to secure that net in a yard in grass with Fontana winds, it has stakes this long. And so me and my father-in-law spent Christmas day of last year, most of the day figuring out how to secure this goal in the backyard so my son could enjoy it. And so we set out and we're driving stakes into the ground. And if you've ever done that, Where we live, there's a lot of rocks, there's a lot of hard soil. 
And what do you have to do? You just have to use more force. And so we're using force, and I'm pounding these things, and my father-in-law is watching, and it's like, you know, anytime you're working with a father-in-law, you know, you're on your bet, like, I got to show him that. So I'd miss. I'm like, don't miss again, Alex. <laughs> or I'd hit it, and it bounces back. Oh, goodness, I'm a weak man. You know, and you're, like, talking to yourself because you're in front of your father-in-law. And so I'm just pounding these stakes in, pounding these stakes in, and the goal was set up, and I was like, like we did it. And a few months later, because I left the sprinklers off because we, you know, it was cool and I'm trying to save money. A few months later, I turned the sprinklers on in my backyard and they didn't go on at all. That's weird. Like the sprinklers like aren't going on. And all of a sudden I saw we had a swimming pool that I did not build. And it was, I had broken three out of four sprinkler lines, putting the stakes into the ground to build the goal for my son to enjoy. Was that my plan on Christmas day last year? To ruin my yard? No, but did I? You bet I did. <laughs> my grass, like, has barely recovered. But this is what happens in life. You do things and you don't understand the consequences. That's what the writer's saying is there's random things that happen. You need wisdom. You dig a pit, you could fall. You could get in a situation where you get bit by something. Here, it's a serpent, but something can come against you you didn't see coming. You could face conflict that you had no idea was there. You could face a problem that finds you instead of you finding it. And what the scriptures are saying here, what Solomon's saying is, listen, you need wisdom because at any moment, your life is going to get complicated beyond what you saw, beyond what you thought, beyond what you had expected. And so we need it. We need God's help in the moment when things fall apart. So that's the first thing. Randomness happens. The second is that adult acts makes more work. If you're working with something that's dull and you're trying to get something done that's needed something sharp, it's just going to take you more time. This is what I call that the insanity, right? If you keep doing the same thing, but you never change, it doesn't get any better. It just means you spend more time spinning your wheels and you don't make any progress. And this is what Solomon is saying in verse 10. If the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength. But wisdom helps one to succeed. So there's a picture of two kinds of people. My way is not working. What do I do? I try harder. That means I'm going to still do my way. I'm going to still go the direction I'm going. And still stuff may continue to blow up. I'll still experience problems. I'll still experience pain. It just means I have to keep going. The problem with that, the scripture says it doesn't lead to success. What does it lead to? You actually have to just expend more energy. But the one who has wisdom, they get success. So the idea is there's actually times where maybe it's not about working hard because you could be working hard in the wrong ways and it's costing you. That's the school of hard knocks. But there's ways that God can give you wisdom that you could change the way you work. When I'm saying work, it may not be your work. It may just, it's the change the way you relate to people, change the way you make decisions, change the way you respond to hardship. Change the way you handle your finances. Change the way that you parent your children. You keep doing the things the same way and just work harder and realize you're more lost than you were before. Wisdom gives you success to prevent you from that. So a dull ax, it makes more work, but that's not good life. It just means you're gonna be more tired experiencing less success. Did you wake up thinking that that's what you wanted? I didn't, but without wisdom, that's what we have. So randomness happens, a dull ax makes more work. And then the third is this, a slack hand misses opportunity. This is a funny picture in verse 11. Funny because I'm not the guy 
that he's describing. If the serpent bites before it's charmed, there is no advantage to the charmer. Sometimes scriptures just state the obvious in a way where you're like, well, yeah, duh, like that, yeah. Now, the snake charmer does not have an intent to get bit. Like, you don't do that if you're not thinking, like, I have the capacity to charm a snake, so I will not get bitten. But if you don't have wisdom, again, your very intent for your life doesn't matter what you hope, reality sets in. And this is talking about slack handed. There's a sense of which, without wisdom, we don't get after the things that we should. Without wisdom, we wait for life to happen instead of maybe seeing things before they do and shifting. So wisdom actually leads to initiative. Initiative leads to success. But if you never take initiative and you just wait, you're like the snake charmer that doesn't do the work to charm the snake, and then you get bit. I don't know how many times I've experienced this in my life. Like, I'm going to get around to doing something, and you may be like me, but when do you finally get around to do something? When the whole thing blows up. Like, when are you going to deal with a relationship where there's a struggle? Usually when conflict is at its highest. But the thing about conflict is, when conflict is at its highest, is that the most strategic time to work on a relationship? Not mostly. Because you're all fired up, and they're fired up, and there's anger, and there's hurt, and there's resentment. There could be years of time of not relating the right way, and then finally, it's done. And now it's like, let's work on it. We're getting bit because we didn't take initiative. And so a slack hand misses opportunity. Wisdom actually gives us the help. You see this in parenting. Some of you, if you've parented young kids, uh, oftentimes, and if you're a kid, this might help you with categories, but uh, babies are really cute, right? But it doesn't take long for a baby to start using their will, and they're not nearly as cute. Like a toddler is cute, but a toddler can also be really not cute. You know what I mean? You guys know what I mean, right? Like, yeah, that's really cute. It's really cute if you're not their parent. It's not cute if you are. I got an amen. We know what we're talking about. But that's how life is. It's a sense of which you can see something, and if you never change, what happens if you're slack-handed in your parenting and your child is a rebel and they rebel against you? What kind of an adult are they going to be if you don't discipline them in the moment? But oftentimes, it's like you don't want to do it in the moment because it's hard. But what you find is if you're slack-handed in the moment, it's actually easier to train a child when they're two than to help them when they're 22, right? We know that through life. The problem is, is wisdom tells us you don't want to wait till you're 22 to figure that out. You don't want to get to the point where you realize it's too late. Or when now you're going uphill. And the thing with God is, in his mercy, it's actually never too late for me to change, for you to change, for our circumstances to change. But wisdom says it could be harder. It could be harder. And so what God wants us to do with what we face right now, if we do things his way right now, we're actually not always walking uphill. We can actually have momentum. God's helping us. And we can gain strength and see him come together. And so for those reasons, wisdom is so important, which leads to the next point. I want to jump to Proverbs, which is also part of the wisdom literature. And it's this. There's an ultimate priority of getting wisdom. 
So this is why we're talking about this. The scriptures actually put wisdom as something that is vital. And you can see this in Proverbs 4, 7. It says, wisdom is supreme, therefore get wisdom. And this should actually be though, not thought. But though it costs all you have, get understanding. And that's the understanding that comes from wisdom. So wisdom is what? Supreme. Do we use the word supreme? Only if we're ordering a pizza, right? Like, do you ever use supreme? No, it's only when you order pizza. And that means there's like all toppings. But like, if you don't like vegetables, you're like, supreme's not that great, eh, right? But in scripture, wisdom is supreme, is saying it is the key to life. It gets the key to things coming together. It's the key to success. Wisdom is supreme, and therefore, get it meaning pursue it, go after it. If it costs you, know that that cost is worth it, which leads to the next part. Though it costs you what? Say that again. We don't believe that. You know why? We want to follow God most of the time in our life, and it costs us nothing. All of us. But it's very interesting in the New Testament, this is the Old Testament, in the New Testament, there's never a sense of following Christ is without cost. In fact, Jesus says, if you want to come after me, you have to deny yourself. You have to take up the cross, which is a symbol of of dying to yourself, and, and follow me. And what Solomon, this, you know, is written is, is the sense of like, though it, though it cost you. And here it's actually literally calling, you know, money. There's things that you can do in your life, whether it's purchasing books, going to conferences, contributing to the church. There's things that are going to cost you, but it's giving you wisdom. And for the Christ follower, it's this picture of that's the best investment that you can make. But we usually don't believe that because we've been trained that actually everything should be reasonably cost and it shouldn't cost us at all. It's like when I ordered from Amazon this past week and there was a mess on my order. Do you know how snobbish I felt when I called? And first, there was a mess up. Amazon, you don't, you don't do that. And then I had to wait for my stuff. So I'm, I'm on the, the line with customer service, and I just said, you know, this is so funny. Here we're talking about the fact that this is going to come in four days instead of two, and I just feel like, well, how could that be? And I'm thinking there's people in the world that they could order something and wouldn't get there in three weeks. You know how spoiled we are sometimes? When I say like we, I mean me. Like I literally was like, are you, like it's gonna come two days after the two days you promised? Like what? Like I felt robbed. (laughs) How pathetic am I? That's rhetorical, don't answer that. (laughs) Right? That's where we're trained, where we think like everything should be easy and comfortable and convenient. We're trained like that. That's why parenting is so hard, because we want it to be easy. That's why being a kid is so hard, because we want it to be easy. That's why church is so hard, because to actually make a church happen, you have to work. You have to serve. You have to do things that people don't necessarily want to do. This is part of wisdom. So it cost you all you have. The way I see it is that what if it cost you all you have? 
would you be willing to get it? That's the way I read that. So there's this ultimate uh, priority. But I know people in my life and even in my life that there's been many decisions that I've made that have cost me to learn. To learn from people. To buy resources. To spend time, which is also a, a cost. To sacrifice what I want to receive a greater reward. But as I've done that, I can attest that though it costs me, if I can get wisdom, it's worth it. Because actually, my axe is no longer as dull. And how do you put a value on that? So, where do I and where do you and where do we? The next question is, where do we find wisdom? Like, where, where do I get it? Well, wisdom flows from its source. I'm going to move this table because it keeps rocking back and forth. So where do we get it? Well, wisdom flows from its source. Uh, This is in Proverbs as well. Proverbs 2, verse 6 through 8, it says, For the Lord gives wisdom. Okay, you just got to settle that in. Who gives it? Lord. Remember, if you deny the existence of God, what are you cut off from? If you want to know why we are doing what we're doing in this world, just read the first part of that verse. If we're not acting wisely, it's not because God has not given it to us. It's because we're not considering him. That's what we're seeing. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Verse 7, he stores up sound wisdom for the upright. These are people that actually want to do what he says. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the path of justice and watching over the way of his saints. This is why it's so unfortunate if people in your life and people in my life and people in our community and people in our cities and in our country and in leadership and in government, if they reject God, and I mean reject him in that he's not a factor, he's not a factor in their life, If people reject this, they are going to be struggling for the rest of their life. And not only that, what flows from their hand, for the most part, will not be good. And that's what we're seeing. As a country, the more that we've gotten away from God existing in a real way where we seek him and we're under his authority and we want to do what he says, the more we define reality outside of God, the more foolish we become. Doesn't that just kind of hit you? It's the same with me. The more I make decisions and God's not a factor, the more foolish that decision will be. That is reality. It doesn't matter your intentions. Reality is reality. If God's not a factor, you will not have wisdom fruit that comes from your life. And so what we're talking about is so important. He is the source of wisdom, and he makes sense out of life Uh, for all of us. Many of the people who are leading our country, they're teaching in our universities and our schools, they have rejected God as the author of life and the source of wisdom. Do I even have to say that? I mean, you can see it. They've rejected him. They've rejected the Bible and and his word. So what that means is they now are the source of wisdom, and they decide what is right and what is true. And this approach is showing up in many ways. 
I just want to spend a, a very brief moment not tippy-toeing around some of these issues, if I may. First, in matters of sexuality, our culture has gone astray of the teachings of Scripture, bottom line. There are only two sexes in the Bible, male and female. In our culture and in our country today, there's a movement which defines sexuality by 50 or more. 50 or more. How do we reconcile that? Well, you have to choose which wisdom you adopt. Is it defined by God in his ways, or is it defined by culture and its ever-changing policies and ideas? We actually can't be neutral and grow in wisdom. You have, you have to make a choice. Ideas about marriage and family that moms and dads are just interchangeable parts. Like it doesn't matter the roles that we play, the things that we do. It doesn't even matter if you're committed to each other. It doesn't even matter if you have a mom and a dad. You could have one or the other. But wisdom, according to God, is that male and female, he created them. And he made marriage defined by one man and one woman committed forever. And part of the reason we have so much struggle in family and in homes and in marriages is because we just think it's optional. It's interchangeable. Now, the thing about wisdom is you have freedom. But it doesn't mean that your freedom makes you free. Freedom without God makes you a slave because it's not according to his ways social justice movements, being woke, how to deal with oppression. Many people have created theories, and they're anti-biblical. They don't make sense. They don't line up with how we're made in God's image. We cannot give ourselves value. That's actually the best news you could hear today. You have value because God has given you value. He made you. But if he doesn't exist, how do you have value? You see how it's all just part of the same problem. If God gives you value, nobody could take away that value. He made you and therefore you have it, but you don't think he's there. What do you do? You define value yourself. And then you try to get people to give you that value or you try to take that value from others. And that's what we're seeing in our lives. It actually ruins lives because anytime you live life away from God's principles and his truth, you're not going in the path of wisdom you're not going in the path of success. You're actually on a train that's derailing, and it causes lots of problems. Are you guys encouraged yet? But here's the thing. This is why we exist. This is why we have to be confident in God alone. This is why we have to be committed to being in a community. We have to be compelled to share. Because this is real. People's lives are unraveling and they're falling apart. In the church, we have to stand and say, actually, we know how life works, not because of ourselves, but because God has told us. And we can help you sharpen your ax so you can actually make progress as you're trying to build. But everyone is, we're, everyone's so afraid to say what is true. It's time we have to stand. People want what is true. And they may not choose it themselves, but we have to at least give it. This is the God of the Bible who loves you and made you and he gives you value and you can know him. 
and you can walk in his ways, and you can grow uh, in wisdom. So as I, as I close out, I've given just a lot to talk about and think about in our own lives. And I hope what I've done is at least given you a place where you can see two paths that diverge. The way of wisdom as we follow God in his ways, and then the way of this world, which has no regard for him. All of us have to choose which path we are on. You, you, you don't remain neutral. To remain neutral means that you're not walking in the way of wisdom with God because his ways are specific. And he doesn't give us that option to have both. We have to follow his ways and his ways alone. And so what I want to do is just give you a, a, a way to reflect in your own life. Because, you know, a guy like myself, I speak and you listen, and then you leave and your life comes. And so I want to just give you some things that you can reflect, and this is in your, your listening outline in your program, and this is for you uh, to just take some time this week to think through these questions. And so I just want to walk through how to like evaluate, how to grow an edge through reflection with what, what you're facing uh, in your life. And so here's the first question. What was I trying to accomplish through the choice that I made? So if if you're experiencing some pain and some hardship, one of the best things you can do is not gloss over your decisions. Wisdom comes through decision-making. So you just want to ask the question, like, what was I trying to accomplish? And most of the time, what you're trying to accomplish and what you accomplished are not the same. That's why you need to reflect. That's why we need God's wisdom. So this is just a good place to start. What was I trying to accomplish through the choice that I made. The second is this. Were there emotions driving my choices? Do your emotions drive what you do? Sometimes. Anyone else think maybe more than sometimes? Our emotions drive us a lot. Like, I don't know how many times that I've been in problems with my parenting to get real that my kids have done something that I'm reacting to emotionally and I make them pay for it through harshness, through overbearance, through impatience. And maybe what they did was wrong, but is my emotional response going to help them? Wisdom is seeing that. You know, when I yelled at them in the moment and chew their head off, they didn't seem to really respond well. But the problem is without reflection, without God changing us, you know what you keep doing? The same thing. And you know what's crazy is, for the most part, you probably do the same thing your parents did. You ever been there? I'm never going to be like my parents. And then you do something, you're like, that was just like my dad. It was just like my mom. And you know why they did it? A lot of times their parents. The reason I bring this up is the only way you can change is through wisdom. Because most of the time, we just do the things that were done to us. We're trained. But wisdom is giving us new experiences, and we become different people through different training. So that's a good question. Third, how does that align with God's goal for those kinds of situations? So you get chapped on the freeway, somebody cuts you off, you react. Ask that third one. <laughs> that will really change the way you drive. Can wisdom even impact the way that we drive? 
if we let it. Do we want it to? Absolutely not. But how does that align with God's goal for these kinds of situations? Like, in this situation, what's this goal for this person that I have a problem with? What is, how does God see them? That's wisdom. How does God see them? Therefore, how should I see them? How does God see this goal that I have? Am I even willing to tell God the goal that I have? Are there goals that we have that we don't want God to know? Yeah. It's in our heart. We try to deceive him. He knows. But wisdom is asking that question. And then the last one, what should I do differently next time I'm in a similar situation? That's wisdom. Dull, 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 I could sharpen. And I can make different progress. See, part of the lie that we've been told in our culture is to follow your heart. You ever been told that? Do what makes you feel good? You ever been told that? As long as it makes you what? Happy? You ever been told that? You can do lots of things that make you feel happy that are wrong. You could follow your heart, and your heart is twisted. You know why I know that? Because mine is twisted. You know why I know that? Because God's word tells me it's deceitful (laughs) above all things. So we fool ourselves. So what happens is if we keep buying in that we follow our heart, we keep buying that as long as it makes me happy, as long as I'm not hurting anyone, we just keep doing the same thing. But that's not wisdom. That's actually rebellion. Just keep doing what we want to do. And so God in his grace is saying, listen, you can act differently as I help you. As God's words penetrate your heart, you can be a different type of person. So this is week one. We're going to spend a few more weeks looking at what wisdom can mean for us. And then we're going to spend a few weeks looking at how do we get this into our life. And so I want to encourage you, come back, dig into what God's word says, make it a priority to be here. And then invite someone else to come with you. People that are just buried under their own life's decisions. And you could be a part of God giving some relief to them. So Ben's going to walk through some further next steps, but I'm going to pray and ask God to help us as we step on this path to wisdom together. Father, we thank you for your word and its guidance. It cuts right to reality. It shows what is right and what is wrong. And that's what we need. We need clarity. There's so much confusion in this world. Uh, There's actually so many lies that it's easy to buy into because the masses buy into them. But what you're doing here right now is you're raising the church to be the beacon of light and hope for the world. And that's been your way since the beginning. So Lord, thank you for the opportunity to be a part of what you're doing. God, will you help us to start with us in our life of getting wisdom? seeing our own desires and emotions and foolish decisions. And Lord, I ask, will you show us the places of our acts that are dull? And will you give us an edge that's sharp so we can find success your way? In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.